Hey Rebels, my name is Matthew Barton. Welcome to the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. Early in the spring, my wife and I started planning a family road trip. My boys love dinosaurs, and visiting the Royal Terrell Museum in Drumheller was high on the list. A friend of mine said, hey, if you're going to Drumheller, don't forget to check out the new brewery there. It's really good. Valley Brewing turned out to be the absolute highlight of the whole trip for me. So I'm excited today to sit down with brewmaster Nick Patterson and talk all about his beer. So let's get into it. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. How's it going, dude? Yeah, not bad. And the summer's kind of rolling around. We're kind of feeling like we're in a seasonal shift. Is it impacting you guys too? Yeah, we're still uh, we're still seeing a lot of tourism uh, here in the valley, but uh, no doubt that'll kind of fizzle out here over the next couple of weeks for sure. I know for me what my personal experience was of the brewery, um, that vibe, that energy, but I kind of wanted to give you the stage first and kind of tell me who are you and what do you do? Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Nick Patterson. I've uh, been brewing professionally for about five years now, and uh, I guess probably the same as a lot of guys out there. I kind of just started tinkering away at home uh, on my own, just to kind of see, uh, I guess, understand the process and see how it goes. And so when I first got into it, I, uh, I did some research, and then I went to a uh, uh, local homebrew store in Calgary and purchased a bunch of stuff for like an all grain setup, and just went right into it first batch, uh, all grain. And then I remember making that batch and it turning out, uh, I suppose at that time I would, I would assume to say it, it was pretty well. Um, who knows by today's standards, but yeah, it, uh, it was drinkable at least. And, uh, yeah, I kind of got the bug for it then, I guess. Um, and then home for homebrew for about a year and then, uh, and kind of took a little step further and then ended up working, uh, at a brewery that started up in Strathmore, a brewery called origin. Uh, it's still a brewery and malting company. that's there now. And so, yeah, I worked there for a couple of years and uh, got to put out a pile of different beers, all sorts of different styles and, and, and kind of learn, learn some, some goods and some bads and, and uh, yeah, and kind of took the best of it. And then I uh, was able to uh, get in at the start of uh, the, the brewery here in Dremeller at Valley Brewing. So it's, uh, it's been a good progression and uh, it's been a lot of fun. When people walk into the Valley Brewing space, what did you want them to kind of feel and experience? Yeah, so our vibe uh, is, is kind of like we're looking for a sort of a modern, kind of a simple sort of setup, uh, you know, white walls, some pictures up on the wall, everything kind of clean and organized is kind of the vibe. And then it uh, takes you out onto our patio, um, which you know from being there, it's a, it's a pretty good sized patio. And same thing out there, kind of have it, uh, you know, ideally clean and organized and, and kind of like nice and spacious. And then it walks out onto the green space. Um, that we're that we're connected with there as well. So just kind of a, a modern and simple and kind of relaxed vibe uh, is what we're going for there at the brewery. When I showed up with my wife, we had like a a little mini date night. You know, my old my oldest is now capable of watching his little brother, so we could say, "Mom and Dad are going out for a bit. We're gonna go have a drink." <laughs> and the the lights were great. It had this really nice vibe, and we could, were looking out onto the park, which has this uh, dinosaur kind of sculpture with lights going. And 
one of the girls working said to me, well, the city owns that, but they let us kind of open up and we can hang out on the grass. And I thought that was cool that the city's willing to play nice with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and what we've done there with that with that space is then we uh, purchased some, they're, they're new chairs, but they're meant to kind of look like the old school lawn chairs. And, uh, and then with our little cup holders that we, you can stake into the ground. So yeah, I think a lot of people kind of feel like it's, you're almost like sitting in your backyard, uh, you know, or sitting, uh, out at a campsite or whatever sort of thing. So it definitely adds to the kind of just the, the chill, relaxed vibe. And then, uh, yeah, when it gets a little bit darker out, uh, flick on the, uh, the patio lights out there too. It definitely adds to the vibe, but yeah, it's, it's a great place to hang out. I wasn't sure what to expect because when I go to Drumheller in my mind, the vibe is kind of this kitschy dinosaur kind of thing. Like everybody's got dinosaurs everywhere. I mean, it makes sense because of the Royal Tyrell, but your cans have some, a little bit of dinosaur reference, a little bit of fossils reference, and yet it didn't feel like a trap. It didn't feel cheesy. Was that intentional or how do you balance that? Yeah. Yeah. So actually, uh, uh, there's actually a, uh, a lot of history. I mean, there's a lot of history in, uh, you know, in any, any areas, any town. Uh, but, but the Valley in general actually has a lot, a lot of super cool history that, um, that most people don't know anything about. And so we've, uh, we, uh, talked to many people that have been around for a while that, uh, that were part of certain, you know, certain things that we were curious about and, and read some cool history books about Drumheller as well. And so, uh, so all of our cans are themed after, uh, Drumheller history. So there's, uh, for, for sure the dinosaur, uh, situation, that would be the easiest one to go after, but, but we've also explored, um, yeah, all the different things, whether it's, um, from, from brothels, from gunfights to underground, uh, prohibition tunnels, um, you know, just even, even more simple things like grain elevators and, and trains and all those different things. But there's, uh, everything definitely has a you know a story connected to it, and we still have uh, many set up for new cans coming down the pipe. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of cool history, and I know there's a lot of people that have purchased our cans and then message us afterwards and just been like, "Wow, I, I didn't realize that these were these were real things, or that this was even part of it." Um, and uh, say like the Devil's Row can, for instance, or uh, our coffee logger. Uh, it's talking about like the the rough conditions and then like the daily shootouts that happened. And think like things like that that are that are real. That uh, you know, like the the town of Drumheller and the the situation was back in the day with all the coal mines, with uh, like little to no drinking water and and just the where people were being housed and all the things going on. There was a lot of uh, a lot of rough stuff that by today's standards for sure uh, wouldn't wouldn't be acceptable anymore. So it's um, it's pretty interesting. And I a lot of the stuff I wasn't aware of either, um, kind of coming into it. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's cool for us to be able to uh, unearth some of that information. What's your signature beer that everybody has to try when they show up? Well, I don't know. So for me, it's a little bit, I'm a little on the fence with it. Um, so just the beer I just spoke of, our, our coffee beer, that one, uh, I guess for as far as a shock factor, as far as people that have um, never had anything like that, like that. So that beer, I guess, would be one that I would, would say would kind of be on the top of the list just because it's um, it's a you know three and a half percent super crystal clear uh lager beer that smells uh, or sorry and tastes very strongly of coffee right so um so i mean if people don't like coffee they're probably going to hate it so that's why I, I hate to see that say that's the beer that um everyone should check out but uh, if a person does 
Um, it's, it's pretty popular for us for sure. Uh, other than that, I mean, we make a, a lot of styles of beer. We make a lot of lager beer. We make a lot of hazy beer. We make a lot of sour beer, um, which a lot of other people are doing as well. So it's hard to say those are maybe um, as unique. But for sure, that uh, the coffee lager um, is, a, is a pretty cool beer for us. What we're doing uh, with that beer is making uh, just a light lager beer, fermenting it, chilling it, and then we're adding. Uh, so our batches are about 28 hex, 27 hex. Uh, and then we're adding 70 kilograms of whole beans uh, that are roasted by a good friend of ours and a local roaster here in Drumheller, uh, Joe Vickers with uh, Friendly Folk Coffee Roasters. So then we add uh, 70 kgs worth of whole beans to the top of the tank um, and let it sit there at about like two degrees Celsius. We let it sit in the tank for about five days and then transfer the beer off into the bright tank sort of thing. So it's um it's a relatively expensive beer to make in the grand scheme of things when you add in those beans um but like I say it's something something cool and, and it's every time you open up a tank and add something in you're always uh you know you're always leaving your, yourself open to you know whatever whether it's contamination or oxygen or whatever so it's a little maybe riskier and we've kind of been trying to work on our processes just to make sure that we mitigate that uh as, as best we can never had any problems yet knock on wood um but uh yeah, no, it's a that, that's probably the one that I, if if we had to pick, I would say that's probably the one. I I love that you brought it up because I do have a can today, and I wanted to crack it for the show and drink it with you and just kind of deconstruct it a bit, if that's cool oh, yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, you ready, giver? Mm-hmm. This ultimately was what I believe to be one of the standout beers and it was the one I bought the most of <laughs> and nice. brought home. And when we went back the second night, I was like, I gotta have more of that coffee beer. <laughs> yeah, nice. And then I was sharing it with uh, friends. Cause I was like, you gotta check out this guy's coffee beer. Like I, I find the problem with coffee beers is they tend to be astringent or bitter or the coffee isn't expressed well. It's either too little or too much and it just doesn't work. Like it feels like it's, it's something you have to be smart about to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I've been listening to a number of podcasts uh, over the last year or two, um, you know, just, you know, uh, just strictly beer podcasts talking about, you know, techniques and, and styles and all those certain things. And I've, uh, without, without really knowing it, um, after listening to this, these podcasts and realizing that all these guys that were talking about the use of coffee, whether it's in stouts or, or whatever the style of the, you know, blonde ales or whatever cream ales kind of thing. Um, it, it seems like the majority of all have arrived at, um, that the, the best means of adding those are, are through whole beans. Um, them talking about, you know, grinding them potentially opens it up for a situation where you get the inside of that bean. If it's not like roasted as evenly as the outside of the bean, uh, ending up with like green pepper flavors and stuff from it. And anyway, so yeah, that's kind of been my process since day one. And I guess maybe not even realizing that that appears to be kind of the, uh, standard, I guess, or the, the best practice. So. We did have a coffee beer. I won't name the names. It, it breaks my heart cause I'm a coffee snob. I love coffee and we launched it about two years ago and one of the batches was infected and two of the batches were fine, but it didn't matter cause that first batch was the problem and it had yeah. like this burnt rubber, uh, expression that didn't 
come through in the kegs, but it definitely came through in the cans. So we weren't sure if it was from the tank or from something wrong with the canning process. It it still bothers me to this day because that was such an yeah. awesome beer when it wasn't fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now Funny I chase how that it. Works, I, yeah. I chase it. And so I, I wanted to clarify with you, you're not grinding. You're not crushing the beans yeah, no, they're whole beans, and yeah, the and you're doing a cold a cold brew. Yeah, no, it's a cold steep, so the beans go in in bags, and and I dunk them in through the top of the tank, and uh, yeah, they hang out in there for like four or five days, sort of thing, and then the beer gets transferred uh, directly off. Yeah, so so you can see from in your glass there that the actual color of the beer has little to no change from the addition, um, but yeah, you can definitely tell that there were you know you can tell it's definitely not an extract or uh, you know, there were, and, and, you, and I, I feel like to a degree, you, you know, can also pick up a little bit of the caffeine from that as well. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty heavy amount, I guess. Uh, if you, if you, if you do the numbers as far as how many kilograms per liter sort of thing, it's, it adds up for sure. I really like that aroma. It's got that nice coffee, coffee flavor, um, coffee, coffee aroma, but yep. it's not so overwhelming. It's super balanced. Like I could have two mm-hmm. of these in a row and not feel coffeeed out, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, and, and the idea behind the the beer as well, as far as like the ABV side of it, I know, um, I, I definitely know some people that enjoy the beer, but say, oh man, I kind of wish, you know, if we had a little bit more ABV, ABV, it might be, you know, a little punchier or whatever, but I guess that was also kind of the idea behind the beer. And a lot of our beer in general uh, is to be, is to be lower alcohol just for, uh, you know, the sakes of drinkability, but um, something like that at 38 um, like say so you can have you can have a couple of them, um, and it and it you know you don't have to be so aggressive on a coffee. It kind of balances out nice, just a nice light body, and and yeah, it's it's certainly not meant to be a big, thick anything, robust for sure. I I wanted to sing your praises a bit because you know um, maybe some of my members of my audience know, but I'm of the opinion that it's really hard to hide your mistakes with a lager. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you fuck up those problems express themselves and show up. You can hide a little bit in a hoppy beer. You can hide a little bit in a stout with that roasted dark malt, but you didn't use roasted malts in this one. (laughs) It doesn't taste like, doesn't look like, so you're just like bare ass out there and hoping you don't maybe get a spank. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. and, And like, say we, we have, um, we have like five full-time logger beers that we run. So, um, when we started the brewery, we installed like a, uh, like an RO system. And that's, that's been a, a cool thing for, for myself, as far as a brewer, I've always been kind of interested in water chemistry and how that plays into your beers. So, um, when we started this up, we put one in day one. And so everything we have, uh, of course, we're, we're building our own water profiles for the different styles of beer that we're making. So I feel like that's a, that's a huge part of, um, brewing really good lager beer as well as having nice soft profiles for beers like that but but uh yeah no that beer is pretty stripped down and, and pretty simple and it was it wasn't a uh made a batch and didn't turn out that great and dumped coffee and it was kind of a that was probably I, I believe maybe our fifth beer we ever uh released so yeah that was that was definitely intentional we, we didn't i didn't expect it to be as popular as it is so now it we i was hoping to have it like for maybe half a year we run with it but now it's uh it's a full-time beer, but actually we ran out this summer and we were out for probably two months and we, I just, we're not able to get it back in the brewing schedule. 
um, without, you know, getting rid of some other ones that we uh, absolutely have to have around sort of thing. So it, it took a backseat for a little bit, but uh, now we're back rolling again. I think it speaks to the quality of the coffee beer that you can actually run it kind of out of season because we're going to be running ours over winter. Our next, oh, yeah. our next yeah. coffee beer is going to be a one shot seasonal and it's right in the middle of winter. <laughs> I don't think we could get away with summer. <laughs> yeah, that's funny how it works. Yeah, and I, I would say the sales of it for sure maybe aren't as strong in the summertime when it's a little bit warmer out, but uh, we definitely like to have it uh, on tap of the brewery just for people that um, you know have never had it or, or even didn't or weren't even aware that that was a thing. Uh, people would wander in and, and see, oh, coffee, I like coffee, whatever, and then just ask our servers for a sample off the tap sort of thing, right? And every time I've seen it uh, over and over and over again. Uh, that our servers will hand the glass to someone and, and they won't even they won't even put it up their nose they'll immediately just say like oh this this isn't the right beer this 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 it can't be coffee and uh, and then they check it out and they're like oh wow that's not what i expected at all right so it's kind of got that little bit of a like maybe a wow factor i guess to it as well i also really liked your raspberry wheat man that was that was like perfect for that patio when the temperature was still hot but the sun had gone down and we're just chilling underneath those lights. They're kind of sparkling and the, the vibe is so chill. And then that really refreshing, dry raspberry wheat. You didn't lean into the sugar. You weren't trying to pound or kill me with syrup. And I, I just mm-hmm. was like, oh, fuck. I love what this guy's doing with this raspberry. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, you know, maybe that's maybe more of a, uh, you know, a simple style of beer as far as, you know, lots of guys are making... Uh, something of the sorts um but yeah no it's that's actually probably our top selling beer overall especially in the summertime uh, we also do a cocktail with it there at the brewery as well with uh, lemonade and vodka in it as well and as well so um yeah so that's it's a it's a pretty easy beer any time of year for sure it's nice in the summertime and i believe we i, I put in uh, something like 12 boxes of raspberries into a batch sort of thing um so the the process for like the puree we get out of uh, vancouver uh, from Pacific Coast fruit. Yeah. So it's, it's got a pretty heavy dose of raspberry, uh, in that beer as well. So you can, you know, you can tell in the color and the flavor and the aroma. So it's, yeah, it's definitely, um, same thing. You, you can tell the difference if there's uh, something, something, you know, artificial to it. So there definitely isn't. It's a fresh fruit puree, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know for sure when I drank it, but I, I felt that because I think when people are used to raspberry as a flavor, they're thinking of uh, like candy and they mm-hmm. expect yep. it maybe to be sweeter. Whereas raspberries have a little bit of a dry finish, kind of like your For tongue sure. is a little bit hairy after you have some yep. raspberry. And when I drank your beer, it wasn't like a sweet candy. It had a very uh, a wine-like effervescence to it. And I think that's what appealed to my wife so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure, right? Like it's sort of a yeah, it's it's sort of a hybrid, sort of a it hits on both sides as far as yes, it's yes, it's still a beer, but it doesn't taste overly beerish, right? So it's sort of a crowd a crowd pleaser that way for sure. It kind of it kind of works for everybody, but yeah, it it, fin- it finishes dry and like I don't know the the raspberry, I wouldn't say it's stringent, but the the the, the raspberry adds a little bit of you know a, you know a light like tannic sort of dryness to it that kind of helps it prevents it from you know being you know, being sweet or overpowering in that sense. Like if I was taking a bike ride, if I was like riding mountain bikes around the city, that is the beer I would come to your brewery. I'd park my bike, order that, have that, and refresh myself. 
on the patio. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You got to tell me, uh, this is one that I was really excited about because I'd actually, this is how I heard of you guys, not just my friend, but was the Schwartzbeer. That had popped across my feed from following the beer awards. And I was like, oh, those guys are in Drumheller. I didn't remember seeing them the last time I was there, but I was in, I was in Drumheller, I think in like 2017, 2018, but you guys opened like a few months after I had been. So I, I missed out on all that, that kind of news. And then when I saw you guys had won that award, I'm like, oh, very nice. And it kind of just percolated in the back of my mind. So you got to tell me that story. Yeah, actually that one's, um, that, that one's actually a little, a little bit of a wonky story, but yeah. So how, how it came about is, um, so I, I had thought about doing a, some sort of dark lager, uh, just as a seasonal beer here at the brewery. And then, uh, at the same time, I had also been chatting, uh, with a friend of mine, Tyler, uh, who's the head brewer at common crown. And uh, we chatted about trying to do some collaboration, um, but I, but I know he's a pretty busy dude, and uh, they were still kind of so, somewhat coming off their success of their uh, 2020 uh, brewery of the year. So at first, I figured that they were probably you know they were probably too good to uh, collaborate with us. Um, but we had collaborated before they kind of got famous, so uh, we're, I was able to uh, pull a favor there. And so we we, we kind of chatted about what styles we would want to go for. I had mentioned that I was looking at doing. A dark lager and Tyler then had mentioned that uh, he'd been thinking about it as well so he we said well let's just let's just throw something together and uh and then you know basically we can take it from there as far as uh take the finished beer on my end if if I want to do some tweaks to it, do some tweaks and then maybe you know the next year release a valid bring you know Schwartz beer and kind of just more or less have this as a kind of like a pilot batch you know give it a go and see what we want to do and then and carry on and so he sent me a recipe and uh, I sent him my recipe and we, we chatted back and forth and, and ultimately he uh, reluctantly decided that my recipe was uh, far more superior to his. And so he, uh, he said, okay, let's, uh, let's go this route. And uh, yeah, so I, so I brewed it up. Uh, I want to say it was in January or February of, uh, of this year. And then uh, the batch, it turned out good, but it wasn't quite as dark as what I initially had expected it to be. I was hoping for like, you know, fairly, fairly black and it was more of like a dark, dark brown. And so then uh, I decided to do a single batch. So like our, our brew house is uh, like 15 hex and our tanks are thirties. Um, but our, our jacket system, the way our temperature probes are set up, they don't, uh, they don't really chill properly when the tank is half full. And so I found this out from uh, early on with doing sours, um, that that was a problem. Uh, so what I did is I decided, okay, I'm going to brew just a single batch uh, to darken it up, uh, slightly change that recipe and then just blend them. And so I did that, but it happened to be that I, I brewed this, uh, this single batch and then I would have to go in every three hours, uh, for five days and manually cool this tank. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh, but the problem was the day after I brewed the beer, I got the flu. I was, uh, I was like quite sick. So for five days, every three hours, so whatever, six at night, nine at night, midnight, three, six a.m., nine a.m., blah, 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 for five days. So I, I was like driving from my house to the brewery, like holding a holding a uh, metal bowl in my lap, trying not to throw up, trying to get to the brewery to manually chill this tank. Um, yeah, so it was a pretty rough few days. And, th and then kind of just, uh, you know, find a way to get through it. So then, uh, yeah, to make, make this beer work out and, and kind of make the best outcome possible. 
and uh, yeah, so I, I guess it was the the extra work uh, work was worth it. Um, yeah, it turned it turned out super nice, and uh, yeah, then I just decided kind of at the last minute when I was sitting in for the Canadian Brewing Awards, we only sent in three beers this year, um, and decided to send that one in as one of the three, and uh, yeah, came out with a gold medal, and uh, yeah, it was, it was super cool. It definitely didn't expect uh, anything uh, of it, but yeah, now of course. Now, and I guess there's probably not too much adjustment needed uh, for when we put it out again. Uh, put it out again next year. I've had a number of Schwartz beers, uh, you know, in my time. And when I first started drinking Schwartz beers, I didn't really know what to think. And as soon as I had yours, I was like, "This, that, that's it. That's the example of the style." I think that is going to be the yardstick where I say, if you're going to drink a Schwartz beer. It's you got to try Nick's and you got to get to that quality and that level because that's kind of where my head is at now. That that set the bar. Nice, nice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, it's uh, I guess the same as anything, right? Like, some I guess sometimes when a person like well, I'd never brewed that style of beer before or, or really anything even that close to it. So, um, I guess from doing some research and stuff uh, and talking to some people, I guess it's uh, it's easy to go with something like say like a porter recipe and try and uh, try and cool the roast down a bit or whatever. But the recipe for it actually ended up being completely different than what we we do here for a porter. So um, yeah, it was yeah, we used a lot of uh, red shed uh, malt from here in Alberta. So I feel like that's kind of a cool uh, secret ingredient for us when it comes to something like that that maybe not everyone's able to get their hands on. And um, yeah, and like I say, we I like to say we or like to I like to think that we kind of specialize in some lager beers. So um, you know, try and use some of our water, water profile techniques, maybe some of our fermentation uh, setups to uh, to make that as best it can be. But yeah, it's it's a great and then, yeah, I, I've I've never really had too many of beers of that style either. But it's it's a great style to drink. It, it kind of works any time of year, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun for sure. Oh man, it's deadly. I when I came back the second day, I had to order it again. You know, I was like, nice. was it was it a twenty four hour flu? Was it was it just a little bit of like. Uh, a love struck moment where I was like, I'm excited for the first visit. Was, is it going to be as good the second visit? And it, it definitely was. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Right on. So what's next for Valley Brewing? What's, what's coming up for you guys? Um, well, I don't know. I, I feel like summertime for us here are so busy with tourism that we're kind of just chasing our tail. Uh, so, so kind of how it seems to have been working out since we've launched is, is now we get into fall um, now I'm trying to catch up on all the different SKUs that we've, you know, either been completely out of for a while or, or are going to be out of before we can get them back in. So we kind of run into that cycle of fall. Uh, we're trying to catch up and then we hit Christmas time. So then we're trying to, trying to be ready for Christmas and then Christmas happens. And then we're, you know, then we're chasing our tails again. And then we spend January, February, March trying to get, you know, trying to get rolling for spring and then tourism begins. And it's sort of just, a uh, a uh, never-ending cycle, but uh, I, I know our guys, uh, Nick and Ryan, uh, who are the owners here at Valley Brewing. Um, I know they've, you know, they mentioned that they they'd be considering maybe some adding some some space. I mean, our, our brewery itself is like absolutely maxed out, um, so there have been some talks of that. But um, I'm not necessarily, I'm, and we're I think we're sort of all of us are sort of on the same page. We're not totally sure if that's really where we want to go with it. Um, it. You know, it might be best to kind of stay the size we are and uh maintain it the best way we can without I, I, no one's goal here is to is to be a, a massive brewery or even a large brewery um so i, I think for right now we're probably just going to keep doing what we're doing um something we do want to 
try and work out uh, more over the next few months is trying to get some more uh, new beer releases out. We have uh, we have cans sitting in our storage warehouse for new beers that we've we've ordered and had delivered months ago that we I, we just haven't been able to get around to even brewing yet. So um, so that's I guess that's kind of the next goal is to uh, is to catch up and add some new things. But we we've we've run uh, like somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty different beers since we've launched here, maybe a little bit more than that. So we we try and keep uh, like our our tap set up there at the brewery. We run fourteen taps. So we try and keep those full all the time. And, and then, you know, more if possible, we only run four fermenters and three bright tanks. So it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of work to keep, you know, at least 14 beers on tap at all times. Uh, at, at times we've had 16 or 18 and that's just, uh, turning everything over as quickly as possible, brewing on weekends, whatever. And, and it's just, it's just myself, uh, as far as, uh, the brewing and, uh, uh, cellaring side of, of our business. So yeah, it's, it keeps a guy busy for sure. Are you guys available through Liquor Connect? Can people get you outside of Drumheller, or are you strictly a Drumheller thing? Yeah, so we do use um, Liquor Connect. Uh, what we found over the last couple of summers is that we're not able to supply anything in the summertime. We're just we've just been uh, busy enough locally to to keep us basically out of stock to begin with. So um, yeah, so right now we uh, the last couple of summers we've been out of Connect uh, for probably four four months of the year, five months of the year. And then the rest of the year, we, we do our best to stay in stock of there as we can. But yeah, so depending on the time of year, uh, we, we try and be up there for sure. That's such a good humble brag. We're, we're so popular. We can't possibly supply anyone else. <laughs> yeah. The, the tourism, the tourism kicks the crap out of guy, which is definitely a good thing. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to have connect to be able to get some beer out to some other places, but for surely our, our number one goal is, is keep our, our locals, uh, keep keep them uh, satisfied here i love that you can be like the brewery of drum heller and one of the funny things was i was just getting a fresh tattoo done and one of the artists sitting with me was going the brewery underneath the tattoo shop <laughs> and i'm like yeah i think there's a tattoo shop there <laughs> yeah there totally is yeah <laughs> and she goes i love that brewery because i was just tattooing there and she'd done like a guest spot at tattooing oh people. nice and then she'd yeah, like, yeah. Would go for beers afterwards <laughs> yeah they're uh they're a great uh a great business to share a building with for sure yeah such a such a small world and then of course i i think i told you this in an email but i i was walking through the brewery and ryan moncrief uh he's sitting there he's with rafter r i had just interviewed him for the podcast and i said yeah i just got back from Drumheller. i was drinking this beer from valley brewing he goes oh nick great guy love him <laughs> he's singing your praises and i was like what a what a small world between the ta getting a tattoo and between ryan i was like oh, okay this is awesome yeah yeah it's funny how the industry works out that way for sure yeah Nick, I want to thank you for your time today, man. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot for uh, yeah, reaching out and getting this set up. Cheers. Cheers. Rebels, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our brand new Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm going to include links to all things Valley Brewing so you can check them out online. Be sure to go to the show notes and click through. I'm also proud to let you know that we're members of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. It's a one-stop shop for tons of locally produced shows from across our province, and you can find them at saskpodcastnetwork.com. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped so you don't miss out on the latest in Saskatchewan and Alberta craft beer news. Thank you for joining the Rebellion.